0: But at the end of the day especially come senior year you start to understand what's important and what's not and at least for me this let's say real life experience certainly um i let's say i at least i value it higher than my classes at this point point. and that's not to say my classes aren't worth anything i love going to them and love learning what i can through them but at the end of the day you have to compromise if you're trying to balance this i'm sure Many people listening to this understand that compromise is very important. And at the end of the day, you just got to choose what is most valuable to you. And for me, there is nothing like real-world experience, especially in a startup environment.
1: Welcome to The Founder's Couch, a show about Stanford and MIT student entrepreneurs. This is WMBR Cambridge, 88.1 FM, WMBR.org. I'm your host, Chelsea Watanabe. So many university students have created something, yet most of us do not know about these incredible endeavors. Founders Couch hopes to shed a light on these journeys, stories, lessons, and provide a platform where others interested in entrepreneurship can listen in and be inspired. For this episode, we're back here at MIT, and I want to briefly introduce my guest, Federico Biscotti. Federico is currently a senior, double majoring in mechanical engineering and in business management. He, along with two other students, is the founder of Digital Duct, a machine readable duct tape that can store information via a cloud-based software solution and be implemented in rugged ad hoc environments. The versatility of duct tape combined with the ability to tag digital information to a precise physical location makes this creative product so exciting, and I can't wait to hear more about Federico's inspiration for this idea. So, let's get him on the couch. Hi Federico, welcome and thanks for coming on the show.
0: Thank you Chelsea, thanks for having me over.
1: So how's everything been going so far this semester?
0: You know, this semester has been pretty tough, um, but things are going well now. The start was pretty crazy, I had a bunch of commitments running in parallel, but it's it's evened out, it's smoothened out, and um, now I'm pretty happy. Last year at MIT, senior year, so trying to make the most of it.
1: Awesome, so you've shared a bit about your story with me already, but I wanted to start with asking, so where are you from?
0: That is a very good question. So, I actually have a pretty unique uh, background, I think. I was born and raised in Zimbabwe, which is a little country down in southern Africa. But my name, Federico Vescotti, is Italian. And my parents are Italian. They moved to Zimbabwe from Italy. So, that's where I was born and raised my whole life, speaking Italian at home, English everywhere else. And, um, you know, from there, I made it out here to the US, uh, where I've now spent my past three years as an undergrad student at MIT and about to graduate next year.
1: So where does love for business and entrepreneurship really begin for you? Yes,
0: yeah, so I think it probably begins back home in Zimbabwe because everyone is an entrepreneur there. We don't really have big corporate companies. Employment isn't really a thing. Everyone, every family just runs their own little business. And so for the longest of times, I've always seen myself as following in those steps and, and running my own business. Um, when I got to the U.S., though, that it was clear that uh, the scale here is much bigger. And when we're talking about business, it's not just a family-run thing. It, it, you're s- hopefully trying to scale to to large, large numbers.
1: Awesome. So, what was your inspiration behind Digital Duct, and how did you come up with it?
0: So, I think Digital Duct is um, is a project that was born over the summer, this past summer. It's uh, something that kind of just happened to start getting traction. And we went with it. Um, personally, like I'm, I, I'm i am using it really as an experience to, to gain a lot of knowledge about entrepreneurship. And ideally, I want to use it as a platform to then go on and start other companies, ideally. So um, I think I got lucky in being in a, in a good place at a good time to work on this project. And I'm really excited by what it can offer. Um, I'm not sold on it for my life, uh, but I think there's a lot to learn in just one experience like this.
1: Very cool. So could you explain what the product is exactly and how do you envision it being used?
0: Yeah, so the product at the end of the day is a very simple thing. It's um, What we're doing is we're combining, let's call it QR code or barcode, but our own version. It looks a bit like plaid and uh, we're combining that and duct tape to effectively make uh, a roll of a machine readable duct tape so that with your phone Uh, be it an ios device or an android device you can scan the duct tape and read information off this duct tape and why are we designing this where do we see it being used well it turns out that in certain environments typically in construction and in military where there is very tough and rugged environments there actually doesn't exist um, a barcode infrastructure that is able to support those environments and uh We envision this as being the perfect solution because those places typically already have duct tape incorporated in some way. Every foreman already carries duct tape in their backpack. And so it's an easy solution to which uh, people can just whip out the duct tape they carry around with them and attach it to whatever body needs um, to be tagged with digital information effectively.
1: Interesting. So what kind of information do you think people might store in this?
0: Yeah, so the big one we're looking at right now is simply just a kind of inventory management and logistics. Uh, For example, in a large construction site, there can be hundreds if not thousands of rooms with separate requirements and different objects needing to go into different rooms. And in those environments, typically the barcode infrastructure tends to fall apart. And so we're looking to see if we can solve this problem with our duct tape solution. It can be tagged onto any object at the end of the day. Uh, So if it's a circular pipe, it can be wrapped around the pipe. If it's the wall of a room, you can stick it onto the wall of the room to store information. So we're really, really looking to create a sort of network of data points to then build a logistics and inventory management infrastructure.
1: And so what are the current technologies then being used right now in these two areas for, say, inventory management?
0: Yeah, so it turns out um, there is some barcode and QR code infrastructure already, but there is bottlenecks in the process whereby um, these, let's say, QR codes need to be scanned with specific devices, and these devices aren't your regular iPhone or Android phone. And so although there are some solutions in some environments, they, there's these bottlenecks in some cases. And in other cases, uh, what we've seen is being used is just a lot of conventional pen and paper um, or like manually on a laptop, let's say, or iPad in entering serial numbers um, in, a, in a form of inventory tracking. So it's really quite um, outdated, the methods that they're currently used. And this is particularly true in the military that they're still using pen and paper. And so we really see this as a very attractive substitute in that yeah, space
1: that's awesome kind of like a game changer there
0: yeah hopefully.
1: cool so <laughs> it sounds like you started this this past summer right correct yeah and it sounds like you're not doing this on your own you have some teammates so yeah. who, who are you working with
0: so yeah actually um again this was a project that started this summer because the three of us the three co-founders were working at a company where this was born and now we're trying to spin out And so my teammates include uh, a man by the name of Nicholas, who is a Harvard Business School student, and then a girl by the name of Catherine, who studies at Clemson University in South Carolina. And uh, so the three of us conveniently were, we didn't know each other previously, we met here, we started working on this project, and it started to get some traction, and so we've gone with it. And, um, you know, I'd say we complement each other well, the three of us, Um, we certainly bring different skill sets to the table, and in so far it's worked out um, for the best, I guess.
1: Cool. And so sounds like everyone has their kind of own expertise, is it?
0: Yeah, so I think Nicholas is, I'd say he's the let's say the leader of the team. Let's say he brings in a lot of experience. He was a pilot for 10 years in the Marine Corps. So he actually has seen what the military logistics looks like. and he was the one that really thought this could solve their problems. Um, and he's driving forward more, let's say, the customer relationships, um, giving his, his background. Um, myself, obviously, from MIT, knowing some technicalities even around software, I'm actually hitting up more the software division because we obviously have a counterpart app that supports the scanning and reading of this code. And I'm also, let's say, hitting up some of the legal side uh, through a lot of resources made available at MIT. And then Catherine, on the other hand, she's working a lot on the supply side, let's say the manufacturing side. Uh, it turns out we have identified two suppliers in uh, North Carolina, and she is interfacing with them and kind of pushing the product development forward.
1: Wow. Sounds like you've got a lot going on.
0: There, There is quite a lot, yeah. <laughs> so
1: how are you balancing this with, you know, being a full-time student here?
0: Yeah. So that's a good question. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, as I mentioned right at the beginning, my the start of the semester was uh, had a lot of commitments running in parallel. Um, but at the end of the day, especially come senior year, you start to understand what's important and what's not. And at least for me, this, let's say, real life experience, certainly, um, I let's say, I at least I value it higher than my classes at this point. And that's not to say my classes aren't worth anything. I love going to them and love learning what I can through them. But at the end of the day, you have to compromise if you're trying to balance this. I'm sure many people listening to this understand that compromise is very important. And at the end of the day, you just got to choose what is most valuable to you. And for me, there is nothing like real world experience, especially in a startup environment.
1: You're listening to Founders Couch on WMBR Cambridge. I'm your host, Chelsea Watanabe, here today with Federico Biscotti, a student entrepreneur at MIT. So since you've been working here, um, are there any resources at the Institute that you've really found were helpful?
0: Yes. So I think as a good starting point, the Martin Trust Center for Entrepreneurship is incredible. It is just, let's say, the hub of entrepreneurship at MIT. It sits close to MIT Sloan, the MBA school, but it is open to both undergrads and grads from the, let's say, MIT school and the mba school and it's just an incredible place, place to meet with people who are able to give you advice mentors investors um, and any sort of input that you're looking to get for your project um, some other big resources or really good resources that i'd point to are certainly the sandbox program This is a program that offers micro funding to startups as they get going. So they will give up to 5K to any team initially, and that can work all the way up to 25K. So it's small, but it's not insignificant. You can certainly do a lot with 25K, and uh, that certainly helped us get our ball rolling as we've moved this project along.
1: Awesome. So what are some of the next phases for you?
0: So I think the biggest thing on our plate right now is just securing the IP for the product. We we wrote the IP over the summer while working at the other company, and so now that we're trying to spin out, we're basically in negotiations for a licensing model for this IP. Um, so that's that's the next big challenge. And then ultimately, what we really need to understand is where exactly in. The construction market does this fit exactly? We're starting to talk with customers and there is certain interest. And so we've, you know, we're prototyping 150 roles and we want to do some like beta tests in the field to see how people interact with these roles and where we really need to start to tailor our design to meet the customer needs at this point.
1: Wow, that's awesome. So have you been traveling a lot for this or reaching out to a lot of people?
0: Uh, Nicholas has certainly done. He's the one that's mostly been traveling mostly to Carolina, North Carolina, to talk with the suppliers and also to Colorado to talk with a potential customer of ours. But most of it, most of the work has been local here. The development is just our suppliers and customers are outside of Massachusetts at this point. Okay, cool.
1: And you're still focusing more on the software side, then?
0: I am. I am. I'm software side, which has been local. And so far, we've got uh, we had a software team working with us uh, at the company we worked at over the summer, and now we've outsourced the software development to another company. While we are currently in the process of raising funding in order to kind of build our own software team.
1: So, how do you raise funds for you know startups like this? Do you just go to like trade shows or? Like pitch, pitch competitions?
0: Yeah, so there's obviously, you know, within both Harvard and MIT, there's a couple of pitch competitions. Like, actually, just this weekend, I'm applying to the MIT 100K, mm. uh, which is a big pitch competition at MIT. And, you know, at the end of the day, any money is useful. It doesn't matter if it's $1,000. Uh, it will still be put to good use. So we're certainly trying to get the most out of what our universities can offer us as resources. But then, obviously... When we're talking about scale, we're going to have to start looking to either angel investors and VCs to support us through this. So that is all new terrain to me and my team. Uh, We're just starting to tread the water in that space. So we're, you know, very excited. But uh, we certainly think there's still a lot of work for us to do before we, we step out to reach out for funding.
1: Wow. Yeah. Exciting times.
0: Very exciting, yeah.
1: So I thought it would be fun to do kind of a speed round yeah. um, with a few more questions about your life here at MIT. So sure. are you ready? Of course. Okay, Let's go. <laughs> so first question, what's okay. your most memorable experience at MIT so far?
0: Mm, can I be honest? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably uh, finding a girlfriend at Harvard. It's a good distance. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. OK. <laughs> OK. Yeah.
1: Cool. Um, what are some other activities that you're involved in here?
0: Um, so I think. Uh, As a freshman and sophomore, I used to play water polo, uh, which was great. It's a very tough sport, and eventually I I stopped it just to to focus on other things. But this past year, actually, I uh, I was chair of the career fair committee, which is the committee that organizes the MIT Fall Career Fair, and that was an incredible experience just in terms of magnitude of event and responsibility, which I would highly recommend to anyone who'd like to do a sort of team leadership experience.
1: Yeah, I I remember I was on the um, attendee side, but that's a huge event every year at yeah, MIT. So I'm... kudos to doing a good job on that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, what's your favorite class at MIT and why?
0: Favorite class? Mm, so I think because I'm double majoring in business and I think at the end of the day, I really like some of the business classes that have a more, let's say, human almost psychology aspect to them. I'm in a class now called organizational processes, which is about looking at businesses through different different lenses. And it's really, for me, especially coming from a very technical background, uh, very much opened my mind as different ways that, dif- that humans operate in environments. And I think for a lot of MIT students, having these more, let's say, human psycholo- psychology-facing classes would be very useful, and I've certainly cherished it a lot. Mm. Yeah.
1: Um, do you have a close mentor here at MIT, and how did you meet them?
0: Yeah, so I think you know, mentors, uh, people often think that you just have one potentially, but I think it's good to build a network of mentors. And But I would say I do have one who's particularly close here at MIT. He is the director of the GEL program, which is the Gordon Engineering Leadership Program, which is a, let's say, a leadership course for uh, juniors and seniors. And I did the course my junior year and I just grew close to the the director of the program. And now I meet with him semi-regularly just to have a catch up, coffee and chat. And he's certainly given me a lot of guidance on decision making and how to compromise and what to compromise on. So certainly it's good to have these kind of people when you are faced with difficult decisions to make and you just need to consult in someone who... Who has had that experience before you yeah
1: what's your favorite place to work on uh work at on campus
0: (laughs) you know i mit has a lot of nice spaces i don't know that's it's tough um i think i do enjoy working just out of um Massey dining hall actually. Really? Yeah. Cause...
1: Interesting. <laughs> Very interesting.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I certainly cherish natural light. And there's not many places on campus with like good natural light and a good view.
1: Okay. I could see that. Yeah. yeah.
0: So Massey D it like just looks out onto the river. It's okay. nice. Same with the the library Hayden. That's oh, a great mm-hmm. spot. Yeah. Hayden yeah, that's Library. That's a classic spot. Yeah. Those are the top. Cool. Picks. Yeah. Wow, that's
1: not what I was expecting. But <laughs> yeah, that works. <laughs> yeah. And finally if you could give one piece of advice to students um, at MIT who also want to start something, what would it be?
0: Yes. So I think certainly for incoming students, freshmen, sophomores, my advice, if, if let's say advice I would give a younger self, would be to not overthink your major. I switched my degree <laughs> four times. Oh, wow. Four times. And that's because I was overthinking all the implications that it might have for the rest of my life. Don't overthink it. Just pick something that you at least think you're interested in, but that you know can bring you value. For example, you know, computer science, safe bet, engineering, safe bet. So just pick something and then do the core required classes. Don't go above and beyond and take the extra time instead to really pursue your interests on the side, to take extra, maybe like one off classes in the business department or in political science or in history, whatever it is that really excites you in that moment, in that semester, do it. Get involved with entrepreneurship, join clubs, go to the Trust Center, talk to people, and uh, and ultimately just dive in as much as you can because at the end of the day, the four years here pass in a flash, and after that, you do not have these opportunities again, so make the most of them.
1: Great wisdom from a senior, guys, you know. <laughs> awesome. Well, best of luck with all your upcoming endeavors. And thank you so much for coming on the show today.
0: Thank you, Chelsea. Thanks for having me. It's been great. And I'm certainly excited to hear more stories on the Founders Couch as the show develops.
1: You've been listening to Founders Couch on WMBR Cambridge. A show about student entrepreneurs and their intrepid journeys of starting their own things. Now, I hope y'all enjoyed that episode. Thanks again, Federico, for coming on the couch. I'm excited to see where he goes with Digital Duct. To all you listeners, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. If you've got any feedback, suggestions, questions, or existential thoughts, write me at cwatmit.edu. Lastly, Wherever you are listening, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We're also on Spotify and on iTunes. Next episode, Catherine will be talking to another student founder at Stanford. Make sure to tune in to hear about another amazing entrepreneurial journey. I'm Chelsea Watanabe, and you've been listening to Founders Couch. Catch you next time, and see y'all soon. This is WNBR Cambridge, 88.1 FM, WNBR.org.